How you guys doing today? Woo. <laughs> Woo has become the appropriate response. I'm going to say that means good. So, yeah. Well, welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. If you are joining us for the first time or the first time in a while, as many of our members, you know, do. Mm, burn. Um, we, uh, we're in the middle of a series, and, and it's, it's making its way to the top for me as far as my favorite series because it's really is changing my faith and making it more real. You know, my big thing about Christianity, if you're around me a lot, that's one of my favorite phrases, right? This is all real. I mean, I say that to myself as a reminder. You guys ever do that? Do you ever sit and go, this isn't a convenience. This isn't like a, you know, God's, God's existence, his power, his truth, his kingdom is not dependent on your belief. So we have that thought sometimes. Even Christians sometimes go, you know, that's my truth. No, 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 there is truth, and then there is not truth. And God's power, his existence, let me put it this way. If we all die today, every single human on earth, God continues to exist. Do you know that? He's not dependent on us. And in that is freedom and joy and, and peace because if it's all real, then it's all real. And so that means to me, I'm obsessed with the idea of of holding God to his promises. Now, it sounds kind of silly because, I mean, I, I can't, what am I going to do, threaten him? You're going to do it or else. No, that's not what I mean. But I'm going to trust his promises. Because, again, some of, some of us, I'm going to offend you because that will wake you up, right? Remember? There he is. He's looking grumpy today. It's good to see you again, man. I'm not, dang, he's new. I can't say that. Listen, um, we, we have this tendency to act crazy. Let me, let me tell you why. Because we don't, we, we don't really believe it. We don't. We don't really believe that we can have joy, peace, um, all those kinds of things. We don't. And, and part of that is the human experience. It's difficult to do that sometimes because life gets in the way. And that's why God has to remind us all the time, right? Be joyful. <laughs> Celebrate all those things. But we also, Christians, because, and it's crazy, we, we do love God. But we love him so much that we make excuses for him. I say this all the time. It's like, wives, you know, those of you that really love your husbands well, um, you know, I'm just kidding. But you know how, like, love, what is it, you know, love blinds us. Or kind of those love goggles, right? So you sort of, over time, um, begin to make excuses for your spouse, right? <laughs> yep. I hear that. If you're late all the time, you know, oh, you know, he just, it's hard to get going. He's got that back injury, right? Or if um, she's really anxious, well, you know, she just carries a lot. She has a lot to do, you know, which is good. That's love, right? But we kind of do that for God. Well, you know, I don't know why I'm not, I'm not joyful. Well, you know, hey, he gives and he takes away. You know, we kind of just <clears throat> joy, joy, or we redefine words. Listen, I know you think Joy means a happiness that exceeds expectations or kind of is over uh, circumstances, but it doesn't really mean that. It means being able to stay alive when miserable. That's what we do. That's kind of what we think. Now, you're all, I'm, I'm either losing you or you're not thinking about it because I promise you you do that. Now you're going to get me fired up. You do it all the time. You make these excuses for God. Or you're, not, you're a grumpy person. Well, God just accepts me who I am. He just loves me right where I'm at. This is true, but don't you think it's weird? Like, I'll take me. I'm not a naturally, I shouldn't say this, but I'm not a naturally joyful person. I'm a little bit of an Eeyore, okay? I, that is naturally who I am, and that's why when I meet people that are joyful, it just gets me so excited um, because I hope it rubs off on me, and it doesn't, but 
that I know the problem isn't with God, it's with me. So I have to accept that. But I don't make excuses and say, you know, God, I, I know you said I can have joy, but I'm going to just accept this misery because this is what you want. To be in the kingdom means to be miserable until I am dead, and then I can be happy. And that's not the way. So uh, that's sort of the idea behind the kingdom. Um, if, you're, if you're new or this is your first time or whatever in a while, I mentioned this before. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is mentioned 100 times in the New Testament. 100. That's a lot. And so it means it's important, and we don't tend to view it as important because, again, we make excuses, or we, we kind of gloss over things. Now, I'm going to stop and throw my podium, because I can already tell today's one of those days, and I'm going to start with remnant people, where you're, not, you're, you're half asleep. Please don't make me do it. We got guests here. Please don't make me act a fool, because you can't focus for 25 minutes. I know you, you woke up, you might have been on the wrong side of the bed, and you didn't get your coffee, and granny was upset at you, and all these other reasons you have, and your husband's a dirtbag, and your wife's a nag, and whatever else reason you have. Can you do me a favor? Can for four seconds, I'm looking at you too, grumpy face, can you just put it aside and choose to be in the kingdom right now and understand you get to hear the word of God and get to worship with the saints, or do you want to continue to sit here like a bunch of mopey little Eeyores, and I'm the happiest guy in the room, which is a problem, because I just told you I'm Eeyore, okay? So I'm going to start over, not the whole thing, that'd be embarrassing. How are you guys doing today? Hey, hey, Bree, how are you doing today? Thumbs up. Get out. Anyway, um, yeah, part of the way you approach even this kind of stuff shows where your heart's at. You living in the kingdom, or you living in the domain of darkness? You letting the dark blind you to the truth? I can do that. That's part of my Eeyore ways, right? I'm like, people are jerks, so I'm just going to be a jerk too. Or you can overcome that. Don't say you believe it if you don't. Does that make sense? All right. Now, history lesson. Little known fact about me. My major was actually in history, so I'm a historian. Uh, That is a fact. Um, I'll see you guys later. You don't like history? Have a good day. Uh, I am, uh, yeah, history is my major. Um, I'll see you too. All right. <laughs> this is not a popular, popular day. Um, but it is. My, my degree is in history. And um, so I'm going to give you a history lesson. So my professors in college who thought I did nothing with this, here we go. Have you guys heard of cultural imperialism? It's a fancy word. Cultural, nice, Brandon's the only honest one, never heard of it. Cultural imperialism. Well, I'll tell you what, this is what it is. It's the idea that when a, and it's been happening since time began. When one culture takes over another place, another country, it's the idea that they assimilate, they force the dominated culture to assimilate the beliefs and culture of the conquerors. Make sense? So I'll make this up. The Romans conquer Germany, and they say, hey, Germany, German people, you can no longer speak German. You're going to speak Latin, and you're going to worship our gods. Make sense now? And we've done that throughout history. People have done that from, like I just said, the Romans done it. In fact, who's heard of Pax Romana? There's another one. I'm just showing off now. Pax Romana, right? It's like peace. It means like the Roman peace. It's like this, this theory that they lived under where they had peace all the time. And part of the way they did this was forcing everyone to to assimilate to Roman culture. That's why the Western civilization was influenced so strongly to this day by Rome. Because they took over and they said, hey, we're not going to let you worship your gods. You have to act like a Roman. For the most part. 
Now, oftentimes, and it has a negative connotation. You see, cultural imperialism, then we go all the way to the British Empire, right? You guys know at one time, it's crazy, this little island, the sun never sets on the British Empire, right? That means that they take over everything. It's pretty powerful, yeah. And with that, the British brought Christianity many times. We think of the Crusades where they would, their whole point was to dominate this area and force Christ on people. And so it's kind of had a negative connotation, especially in our new woke culture. It's the idea that, hey, I don't, we don't make people change. People are allowed to be who they want to be. I just wonder where that ends. But, and now it's even used on good-hearted Christian missionaries. How dare you go to this land and talk about Jesus because you're trying to force cultural imperialism. You're trying to put the white man's religion on you, right? Even though it's Middle Eastern and Jesus was a Middle Eastern man. But that's, that's what they do. That's what they think. And listen, there are times throughout history that people behave poorly in the name of Christianity. That's a fact. But now it's become preaching the gospel itself is forcing cultural imperialism. So I like this, though, because when we think about Christ in the kingdom, Jesus has come. He says the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is near. He invaded this world. The truth about Christ's kingdom is that he's different. Although he is the most powerful, because remember, in a cultural imperialism, it's not the weaker culture that forces theirs on the stronger. That's not how it works, right? You with me? Am I going too much? Okay. Yeah. It's the stronger, more powerful kingdom that forces the less powerful kingdom to adopt their ways. And Christ, being God, could easily do that. He could, he could invade this world and say, do it or else. Actually, he doesn't have to give you the choice. Just do it. The thing about Christ's kingdom is even though he's the most powerful, his kingdom is the most powerful, he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, he doesn't force kingdom ways or kingdom citizenship on us. He gives us a choice. And somehow we have learned, we've, we've begun to believe that this choice implies that he is not as powerful as he is. Stay with me. You know, sometimes it's so funny. It's like, we view God's mercy and his grace and his love and his gentleness. And instead of taking that as like, my goodness, what a God. We say, well, he must not be real because if he is, he'd force me to. But how dare he make me a robot. You get what I mean? It's a lose-lose. Jesus doesn't force kingdom ways or citizenship on us. He gives us a choice. So no matter what the world says preaching the gospel, how dare you? Here's the truth about the gospel. The gospel's the opposite. You see, there was an invading force... There was a force that took this world over. It's called sin and death. And there's a prince of this world. That's Satan. That's real. It doesn't matter what you think. And we, as God's creation, lived in his kingdom and lived by his culture until we rejected that, went into this land, and now we are slaves in bondage to a dark kingdom. And so the gospel, Christ comes not to force some new culture on us, but to liberate us and free us from the culture that was forced on us. Does this make sense? You with me? Because the truth is, now, because of the condition of our race, there is no choice to be sinful. You are sinful. You are born into it. When the standard is perfection, it does not matter how good you think you are. And even those in the room right now, when I say that, you're kind of rolling your eyes. I, I mean, again, I don't see faces, but I can, I can see faces. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't really see your specific face, but you get a feel. And some of you, I see you just kind of like, whatever. And, it's, and you don't even realize that even 
that should be a clue to the condition of your heart. That you have become so arrogant that you can't even consider the possibility that you might be not good enough. That you might be guilty, unholy, sinful. Don't judge me, right? I talked to a friend today. He's trying to share with someone who claims to be a member of the kingdom. He says, this is how the kingdom functions. And they say, how dare you judge me? And whenever I hear a Christian say that, when they're gently called out and reminded of the Bible, I say, I'm not really sure you're of the kingdom. Because it's not you that's judging them in that moment. It's the rules of the kingdom. It's Christ they're rejecting. Anyway, Jesus came to free us of the influence and culture of the enemy and sin. But, so Jesus isn't the imperial, the Roman emperor that comes and forces it, right? I just told you that. He comes to free us. But, those people that say Christ and the gospel force it on us are right partly. And they're right in this. Jesus and his kingdom does force a response. I'm going to say that again. Jesus... And his kingdom does force a response. You see, even up until this day, if you have had an opportunity to hear the gospel, you have already responded. You have responded. It's just, what was your response? It forces it. It forces a response by the very nature of his kingdom. By the facts of the truth, the kingdom changes the landscape of this place. Do you understand? It changes the landscape of your life, whether you admit it or not. When you heard the gospel for the first time, an asteroid crashed into your life, left a crater, and you have a decision to make in that moment. How will you respond? It doesn't matter if you believe there's no hole in the ground, there's no difference, there's no change. There is. How do you respond to it? You already have. We have no choice but to respond when we hear the gospel, you do respond. Even at the end, I'll say, hey, whatever you do, respond to what God's calling you to do. Even in your silence, even in your pride, even in your lack of movement, you are responding. In your lack of response, you're still responding. Every single person responds to Jesus in the kingdom, period. Period. I'll say it again. You are already responding. Some of you are like, I'll do it later. I remember a relative of mine, very close, I told her the gospel right after I was saved. And yes, I, was, I probably did not do it well. I was literally running around being like, hey, you're going to go to hell. You need to repent now. I mean, it's the truth, right? But I, because I was so excited. Um, not about the hell, but about life, right? And, and, and I'll never forget her response. And I love this person dearly because she believes in God. She does, 100%. I even believe she believes in Jesus. But belief's not enough, and we'll talk about that. There's another step. But what she said was she said, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do this when I clean some things up, when I'm ready. I have things to do first. You see, in that moment, whether she believes it or not, she thinks she was putting off a response. She already made it. She already made it. Even in the response to ignore the call and not follow, you're still responding. And that's the danger where some of you are at. You see, some of you, particularly young people, you're like, yeah, I get it. I'm going to live life a little bit, and then I'll do the old person thing where I, you know, I follow Jesus. That's what old people do. It's not true. In fact, there's scripture about that. Let no one despise your youth, but set an example. 
You know, if you're young in this room, God has given you a vigor. That's a fancy word for energy. You know how old people are like sloths? You have energy, and you're able to move. Imagine what you could do for the kingdom if you stopped messing around, and you didn't act like your peers, and you decided, I will be different. Or old. The same with old. Sometimes you think, you know, I've already coasted in. Now I just sit here and wait till he comes home, comes back, or I go home. No, you're never done. You're a killer for the kingdom until the end. You see what I did there? It's killer with an A, not murderer. Listen, every time there's a response. How do I know? Well, Jesus, he says this. Mark 1.15, uh, John the, uh, the Baptist says it as well many times. But listen, in saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled. Let me change that. Time's up. Time's up. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. Repent and believe in the gospel. <laughs> I like that because there's two sections. I know. I'm losing you. You get lunch here in maybe half an hour unless I decide to go long. So the more you pay attention, the quicker we all get out of here because then I get fired up and I just keep talking. See what I'm doing right now? That's wasting time. All right? Stay with me. <laughs> Some people are like, yeah, he's wasting time. Yeah, so stay with me. There's two parts here. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. If someone, if you see Jesus come back right now in this moment with a sword, you think you're going to go, I'll consider this later. You're going to do something. And Jesus is saying that here. He's saying, listen, that's why I like two parts. He tells us this is going to demand a response. The time is over. It's up. It's now. I'm here. The kingdom of God is now. It's here. I have brought it. And then he tells us the way we should respond. Repent and believe. Remember earlier I told you this person that I know and love well said, well, I believe. No, no, no. It takes more than that. Remember, even the demons in hell believe and shudder at the name of Jesus. Repent and believe in the gospel. And it's crazy gospel, good news. Isn't it nuts that we have to beg people to accept good news? I want to save this analogy till later. Hey, finger crack. Um, well, <laughs> I'm a squirrel. Sorry. Hey, P.S., you guys don't have to be scared of every sound. It's just this girl in the front row that I constantly pick on because she's constantly doing it. I'm going to never stop. And everyone watching on the camera is like, I'm never going to that church because the pastor calls everyone out. It's not true. <laughs> um, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You have to believe in the good news. <laughs> it's so crazy to me. I'll give you another example that I'm safer later for power, but now I feel like it's necessary. If this building's on fire, and you're all like, yeah, that's funny. No, I'm serious. There's a fire, starts in the kitchen, it's burned, right? Some of you came to me and said, I remember this. Gina, can I say your name too late? Gina at one point's like, Todd, I, and I love this about her for real, because she's thinking. She goes, I'm a little concerned, and I get it now. It took me a while. She's like, were well, there any exits behind this giant wooden wall? And her point being... Yeah, we're safe if danger comes from the wall. But if it comes from anywhere else, how are we getting out of here, right? That's a great point. In that moment, if there's a fire outside, and it's literally in our, in our foyer, our entranceway, and I say, hey, guys, there is a fire. Well, I don't see any fire. We, there's smoke. We smell it. Yeah, that might not be fire. That could just be, you know, meal later. Maybe Joe burned it, whatever, right? That's what people think. That's, and then you see, listen, not all, we're not going to ignore that. Are you just going to sit here? If I say, hey, I have the way out. Now there's a raging fire. And I say, Gina, I told you, there's an exit. Follow me. It's good news. We're going to get out of here. And she's like, that doesn't sound that good to me. 
And she just sits in the chair. That's what we do. Because we don't see that it's good news because right now we may not feel the flames. The kingdom of God, the time is fulfilled in the kingdom of God's hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Listen, you're forced to re- respond. It's like an asteroid crater, I told you. You know, if, if a crater hits here right now, out in this parking lot, at this exact moment, somehow we don't get killed, and we walk out, we're not just going to go, everything looks the same. No, we're going to respond. You know, are you just going to drive through the crater? Some of you might, but most of you aren't just, <laughs> that's intentional, but you still responded. You're not just going to pretend it isn't there and then, right? No, you're, you have to because the very landscape has changed. A building on fire. You're not going to stay in here. Listen to me. And I mean this. I know it's a corny analogy, but some of you need corny because you're half asleep. Jesus is the fire alarm to warn you of the fire. It don't matter if you don't like me. I'm very unlikable. But the message that I have, right, if the building's on fire, and, and I'm, again, many of you, who knows, a couple of you, don't like me. That's fine. Cool that you're still here. But if I tell you how to get out and there's a fire, you're probably going to listen. You're not going to think about, I hate the messenger. I'm not following him. No, you're going to be like, I'm going to die. I'll deal with him later. You don't have to like your pastor. You don't have to like the guy preaching it because it's not about that person. It's about the fact that they know the way out of the fire, the way to life. Repent and believe in the gospel. Here are your options. You can, one, everyone in this room, let me prove to you right now that you've already responded. You can repent and believe. That means accept Jesus and what he said. Repent means I will turn away from the living the way I was, from pretending that life is the same, and I will follow him. I will follow you, Jesus. I believe that you are who you said you are. That's the first one. That's the best and really the only option that leads to life. There's number two. There's make-believe. You'll say, I believe And you might even say, I repent, but then you go on and drive in the crater and act like nothing's changed. There's no real change. You're just pretending. You're sitting in this seat today because your friend invited you. That's awesome. I'm glad you're here. Seriously, but you're not going to change. You don't believe this. You want the benefits of the social club without the requirements of the kingdom. Three, simple, you reject it. Obviously. There's some in the room that hate Christianity. Praise God you're still here. It shows me that you're open to truth. But you reject it. I reject you. I do not believe your truth, my truth. Or you hear Jesus and you change it. So you say, yeah, they all got it wrong. The Bible got it wrong. I love it. The Christian goes, you know, I just heard this from a Christian. You know, there's a lot of things in the Bible. You just pick and choose what you want. <laughs> no. I'm serious. And this is someone that I respect as a believer, but that concerned me. It's, a, it's, a, it's an alarm to me. When faced with the truth, you say, yeah, there's a lot of things. Come on in. <clears throat> you reject it, and then there's, there's another option. And it's rejecting it. I'm going to say a, th- a third option, because you could just reject it, or fourth, I guess, whatever I'm at. Attack it. I'm going to kill you, Jesus. I'm going to kill you, gospel. I hate you. You don't just reject it. You try to destroy it. And then, of course, there's another one, and that is, Perhaps the most insane of all is ignore it. By the way, if you're in the room and you say, man, when I get, don't worry, when I get married and stuff, I'll chill, and then I'll, I'll accept Jesus. Tomorrow's not promised. You ignore it. You pretend it never happened. If you reject the kingdom, which 
in essence, all of them is rejection of the kingdom. There's really only two options, but I gave you four. And that's just to prove you're all in this. You've all done it. You've all responded. But if you reject the kingdom and going back to colonial imperialism, God could force you, but he doesn't. If you reject the kingdom, kingdom, fine. The king will give you what you want. You want to die in the burning building, then you will die in it. Well, Todd, I'll just take a spoon and carve my way out. That's what some of you do. You literally ignore the exit sign that leads to life and rather sit there because of your own pride and scratch at the wall thinking you're going to get out. Don't judge me, right, as you're burning and dying. You reject the kingdom, the king will give you what you want, both now and later. It's not his fault. How could a good God condemn someone to hell? You mean how could he leave them in the building that they want to stay in? He doesn't send them to hell. We're all going to hell. He's good because he saves us from it. Do you understand that? That's a huge difference. Here's a cliff. This is, this is us, right? The diff- on this is hell. Here's us. We're driving around, right? <laughs> anyway, God takes us. We think, oh, how dare a good God. He just picks us up and chucks us off. That is cruel, isn't it? What if everyone is driving this way anyway? And instead of this, it's God going, don't, don't, don't. Here, let me catch you. And you say, I don't want you to help. And he's like, okay. If that's what you want, that's what you'll get. Your relationship won't save you when you go off the cliff. Your marriage, your sport, it won't save you. Your child won't save you. No matter how life-giving it seems. Even choosing... And then we come to today. Oh, that was just a setup. Isn't that nuts? Dang it, I thought that was a sermon. I know. I should do that sometime. Ten minute. And then I'm going to get complaints. Believe. Repent and believe in the kingdom of God. All right, she's going to come out and play some music. <laughs> be cool. Probably be the most we've ever had. Even in choosing to repent and believe, here's my point today. I'm going to focus on those of us in the room who say, or maybe you're, you're right there and you're like, I want to repent and believe. Okay. But as we talk about the hundred verses that talk about the kingdom of God, there's something interesting I've noticed, and we sort of ignore it. We simplify it, which is good, but I think it's important that we, under, we simplify the gospel, but it's important for us to understand this. See, I got people's attention. Wake up. I will chuck a podium. I'm feeling lively today. All right? <clears throat> I even said I'm going to come in joyful, and I don't know if this is joyful or angry, but I'm here. Even in choosing to repent and believe... Even in choosing and saying yes to Jesus and his kingdom, even that choice, that response, isn't as simple as it seems. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm crazy. Let's go. This is important. Stay with me. I'm a jerk. Anyway, why? What do I mean? Number one, there are requirements to pass through the gates. You may say, I'm in. I'm going to follow him. Okay, well, Jesus says, follow me. Great. We're going to go into my kingdom, but there are requirements to go in. There's a passport, as you might say. Period. See, that's the other lie. I can just do what I want, just chill and walk in the kingdom. No, 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 you can't do that. There are rules. There are requirements. You want to be a citizen of the kingdom, you're going to have to meet the requirements. There are requirements to become a citizen of the kingdom of God, just like there are to become a citizen of America. You want to be a citizen, a legal citizen, there are some requirements, yes? Repenting and believing means something more than just the words. It has to. This is where people go, what if somebody walks away from the Lord, once saved, always saved, can't be true. No, you just believe everything you hear. 
You just think because someone says, yay, Jesus, one day that means they're a believer? It's going to be shown in what happens long term, right? The fruit. Repenting and believing means something more than just words. Jesus invaded this world to free us and to take us home. You see, we were all born of the kingdom. Originally, you were. But we have to accept the terms in order to go home. We have to change not just our culture. We do have to adopt his culture. We do. It's kind of reverse. He doesn't force it, but we say, I will do it anyway. I will assimilate to you. And that's where a lot of you have problems. You like love, right? That's so neat. And I say it because I just made a lot of the women mad this week. They were loving to me. But submission stinks. Forgiveness stinks. It does. You can say, yeah, I love to be forgiven. You like forgiveness when you're the one being forgiven. You don't like it when you got to give it. I don't. (laughs) That was weird. Jesus invaded this world to free us and take us home, but we have to accept the terms. We have to change not just our culture, even though we do, but the very essence of we, I, and me. Who Todd is has to change. I'm going to say it has to change. There is no option to walk through the gates of the kingdom. You ready for this? And be the same as you came in. I'll say that at the end. I have to be different. And sometimes we don't like that. You know, we'll get all the way to the gate. I love the chosen. Anyone watch that? You know, the scene with Nicodemus is so awesome. I look forward to seeing it at the end. You know, Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and they had this scene where, you know, uh, he comes and talks to Jesus, and he tells him, it's where we get, you have to be born again. You remember that? He tells this, this Pharisee, this religious man, and there seems to be openness. And essentially in the show, he says, hey, why don't you meet me here? It's the beginning of his earthly reign, and he says, with my, I've got some friends that are going to come with me. And they go, and, and at this point, he's got five or six, and they're all like, hey, we're ready, because he said, we're leaving at noon, let's say, I can't remember. And they're sitting there, and behind a wall is Nicodemus. He's kind of hiding from here, here, you can't see him, maybe behind this wall, and you're all here, and he's kind of hiding. And they say, Jesus, are we leaving? And he says, hold on, hold on, just a little bit more time. I'm waiting for someone. And then it shows Nicodemus just slide down the wall because of the cost it's going to cost them. They do a good job. You see, it shows the cost. He was the highest of the high. He had a place. He was well-respected. And he knew that following Jesus would mean the loss of all of that. And he slid down the wall in a beautiful moment where Jesus says, you were so close. <laughs> he says that. And what happens in that moment is that's, that's so many of us. We'll get to the gate, and, and Jesus is like, you're so close. And we just slide down because we don't really want to meet the requirements. So, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about entrance to the kingdom. What happens after the invasion. There's hope in this, though, because if we're willing to put our true faith and believe in him, then some of the requirements are met by him when we can't. So, Gospel of John 3, 3. I'm going to start here. Jesus answered him, for this purpose, it doesn't matter who him is. Truly, truly, I say to you, remember it's Nicodemus, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. <laughs> I'm going to say this. <whistles> Christianese, you're like, yeah, that's so true, Todd. I'm going to pretend you've never heard this before. And Jesus says to you, you're like, yay, I get to go to heaven with you and the kingdom. And he says, yes, you do, Zeke, but you have to be born again. And you're like, oh, symbolically. No, I don't mean symbolically. 
Now you understand why Nicodemus is like, what do you mean? I gotta go, I'm supposed to go back in my mom and get born again? That doesn't make any sense. But Jesus says, truly, truly, that means I'm telling you the truth. This is truth. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So let's start there. There's a requirement right there. We ignore these and we're like, okay, we lump them together. No, I'm going to tell you, you're at the gate, number one. You have to be born again to get into the kingdom. I'll just wait here until you're ready. Did you hear what I said? Cool, I'm just making sure. I understand why those southern, southern preachers, man, they yell and ask for amens and like have a towel. Because you get all fired up and like amens like a, you know, someone's listening. right? You know, a lot of the, they actually say, can I get an amen? I've never done that. I got Greg and Juju back there telling me, so we're all good. You see? Have to be born again. You have to be born again. So what does born again mean? Well, listen, you have to be completely reborn and changed. Right? The implication is who you were is gone, so I must be born again. I got to go back. Why? That's interesting. Why? Right? Wouldn't you be like, why, God? Why do I have to be? We're going to talk about that in Again, in a minute, but I'll tell you the reason. It's because the old you can't go into the kingdom. You can't. And honestly, it's like, well, what if I clean up a lot? Nope, not enough. You got too much junk. You know, you got a big old wart on you. Or what all these other things. You know, you got to be completely changed. You got to be different. Why? Because we, who we are isn't clean or good enough. It's not good at all. To be born again, though, we have to accept that who we are cannot enter. And this is, I don't even have this verse. You can go find it multiple places. Write this in your notes. How many times does Jesus say, you want to follow me, you must take up your cross. You must die to self. You must crucify your flesh. Again, words that were like, that's cool. No, crucifixion was the most painful form of, and humiliating form of death. They would have known what that meant. Carrying the cross was symbolism to death. You must die. You have to kill it. Why? Because in order to be born again, you have to accept the death of who you have chosen to be. Does that make sense? I know this is deep. But to be born again, we have to accept that who we are cannot enter the kingdom. Our old self must die. The parts of us that aren't of the kingdom must be killed. They have to be. And I say killed, that's a violent word because it takes action and it's hard. I am still fighting things. Well, God, or Todd, Todd, I'm not God. Todd, I thought that God takes me as I am. He does, but he does not leave you there. Imagine a murderer that says, I'm a believer now, and I'm going to continue to murder because murder is who I am. That's no different than you who says, I'm just naturally an aggressive person. So that what? What you really mean is you're justifying your hate. You ready for this? This one's going to upset some people, but hear my heart in this. You know, it's just a product of my upbringing. It's just trauma. My trauma is why I'm rude to people. My trauma is why I use people. My trauma is why I manipulate people. My trauma, my trauma. And, and by the way, God does care about that. But again, you don't think serial killers have used that defense? Hey, I'm sorry, I was brought up in a home where people hit me. Me too, buddy. I don't run around and say, I can now just slaughter people, wear their faces on my face, right? To get your attention. That's what serial killers do. All right. Repentance, repent, in fact, means turning around, changing directions. It means death to self, and thus we have to be born again. We have died, and now we get to be reborn, remade. 
Who we are now is guilty. Remember that. The Bible says we are storing up wrath for ourselves. We are all guilty. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Again, it's imagine like I come into your house. Remember, I slap your grandma, shoot your dog, kick your baby. I go into the courthouse. I change it a little every time. I'm trying to hit somebody here, hit somebody's heart. And then go to the judge, and I just say, you know, 364 days, I've been really good. I had one bad day, and they go, that's fine. You know what? I agree. Why don't you go home? And by the way, also, you can be mayor of the town. Just imagine something like that. That's the same thing. There has to be justice. Who we are is guilty, and we face a death penalty, and so that person must die. Luckily, it does get to be, we don't have to hang on a cross for it. So, number one, we gotta, we'll, we'll talk about this at the end, but you have to be born again. That sounds interesting. Do you believe me that that's in there for a reason? Do you guys believe that's not some sort of weird, like, he did, sometimes we kind of act like he was just trying to fill space, right? He needed enough verses, so he's like, let me throw something there about being born again. No, that's real. You have to be born again. Let's go on. Mark, and this is all from the Gospels. Mark 10, 15, I intentionally choose different ones because they're all true. Mark 10, 15 says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Woo. So you go get your pacifiers and put your diaper on. All right? Right? Go ask mom and say, I'm hungry. Don't do that. Get it? It'll be awkward because breastfeeding. Anyway, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the king, you can always tell when I went too far, I was, oh boy. Hey, uh, women breastfeed babies. That's a reality. That's not. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. This is another thing we gloss over. This is a reality. If I'm actually there and Jesus is teaching us and he says this, ain't no way we're going to go. That's cool. It doesn't mean anything. Can we get to the good stuff about like heaven? Or power, I would go, holy moly, wait, so to be with you, i got to be a kid? And I'd start going, goo-goo, you know, whatever I need to do. And he's like, no, you idiot, right? What does that mean? Well, let's think about this. Jesus always says things for a shock value. It should make us go, wait, what? What are the characteristics of a child? Well, first of all, let's go to the very beginning. An infant is completely reliant on their parent. Completely reliant. If you stop feeding that baby, it will die. If you set that baby even out on the porch, right, for a day in the winter, it's going to die. It is completely reliant, even reliant to be moved from place to place. You know, you get up, we all know the, we all know the analogies. We've all seen it. It is beautiful, the trust, right? Jump in their daddy's arms, right? It doesn't matter how high. They just jump. It is a beautiful picture because they know dad's going to catch him. Now, do they know how? Probably not. They may, the first, you imagine the first time, by the way? They don't really know. Like, what is this game? <laughs> I start climbing down. So what does that mean? No, it's that trust. It's that childlike faith that says, I don't know how this works, but I know that you told me to jump, and, you, and I'm going to jump. It's trust. Children learn from their father and mother how to be, how to act. Right? They're the first people, that, they're our first teachers, are our parents. 
how do I do this? It just showed itself up, and he probably won't like this, but a kid that I know kind of well, sort of like a, like a son, sort of. I don't want to say it because he'll get embarrassed to say his name, but he asked me the other day, his dog has ear issues. It's very annoying. If you ever smelled that, it smells terrible, right? Floppy-eared dogs. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, no. If you ever have a, my German Shepherd would have it. They get those ear mites and that gross stuff in there. And I was like, hey, man, you got to go put some stuff in your dog's ear. It stinks. And he's like, first it was like, I don't like doing it. It's gross. I'm like, no, it's not. You just take the outside of the ear. And then eventually it was cool. He doesn't even know this. He said, can you show me how? Will you just show me how? He's not five. He's not six. It's just that's, you have to learn. We tr- childlike faith means understanding that I don't know how to do everything. Then I need guidance. In order to receive the kingdom of God, to receive this offer, it's going to take that kind of faith. If I come to you and I say, you've got to be born again, you've got to die to self, and the rest of this I'm about to tell you, you're going to go, but that's impossible, and it is impossible. It's impossible. Just like it is if you're a little kid to say, if I jump off this podium, okay, it's impossible I'm not going to hit the ground until you, your dad catches you, shows you that the impossible is possible. In order, that's a, that's a shocking statement. I'm going to leave you with this again. Truly, I say, anytime he says truly, he's like, listen up. I say to you, whoever, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child should not enter it, God, it doesn't make any sense. How can someone die for my sins? How can he forgive me over and over again? That doesn't make sense. That isn't logical. You're right. A dead man doesn't come back to life after three days. But if you tell a kid, he'll believe it. I used to tell my, my niece, uh, not my niece, I don't know why I call her that. She's so young. My little sister, uh, she's 15 now. Um, I also did it to that kid I mentioned again a moment ago, but I'm not going to tell you his name so he didn't get embarrassed. But I used to do this thing where I'd talk about fairies that would come. <laughs> Everybody's like, why? It was fun, man. You believe in magic and stuff, all right? And so with the girl, I said, yeah, if you leave cookies outside, a fairy will come. And my plan was, in the snow with my little sister, I'm going to put this, and it's like I'll walk up, get the cookie, walk away, right? Makes sense? That sounds pretty, no one thinks that's fun. I would. I love stuff like that. So I did it, and I promise you, she came out. And it was only a couple years ago, she found, it was years before she found the truth out. I, she probably went to high school going, yeah, fairies come if you have cookies out. But the point is, she literally, I'll never forget the ornament on her face, right? And that wasn't even the truth because she's like, oh, my gosh, LT was right. That's what they call him. Look at this, Dad, because our dad, look what happened. These, the, the cookie's gone, and there's some footprints. Clearly, LT was right. There's a fairy. Or in the case of the boy, I said a leprechaun would come. And then he, <laughs> I never thought of how terrifying the concept of a leprechaun is. You know, because I'm thinking of the wee little, like, Lucky Charm people and not the monster from the movies. But somehow, you know, he was kind of laughing, and I found out later that he came to his mom and was like, I can't sleep. She's like, what's wrong? He's like, the leprechauns are coming. Like, I, because what I had done was I had put, you know, cookies. You put sugar on the, I don't know where I come up with this stuff, okay? But it's fun when they're little. He put sugar on the windowsill, and he walks and takes the cookie. And this time I was like, leprechaun's more masculine than a fairy. A boy will like that. And at first he's like, ah. And then when I left, he's like, oh, there's me. You know, they'll come. He did not believe his mother when she repeatedly said, that's not real. Like, yes, it is. I've seen the proof, right? <laughs> the point is, is that there's a trust there when a child to a parent, even more so, or an adult. It takes childlike faith in God's ability 
to do the impossible. I'm not good enough. Remember, I know so many of you that truly love God, you struggle with that, a lot of you. You're never good enough. Because you know you're not, and that's a beautiful place to to start, right? But you kind of stay there because you can't accept the fact that he's done the work to move you into the kingdom. And now you're new and holy, and you're sitting there going, that's not possible. You're right. But it happened. Because I believe my father, right? Number three, I got to move. I'm doing pretty good today. Should buy some more time. I just want to see how long it takes for no. <laughs> picked on David that time, but he takes tons of notes, man. So I know. Um, so let's move on. What else? What else? How do we? Well, let's look at another one. Matthew chapter seven, verse twenty-one. This one's this one's terrifying. Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," will enter the kingdom of heaven. Remember, I told you those are interchangeable. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, many times this verse can be used to imply, believe it or not, this is one of the arguments of against once saved, always saved. Well, if that's true, right, if that's true, then why would he say that if we don't do the will of his Father, who's in heaven? Okay, well, now you've got to put the whole context before I go on. I feel like I need to destroy this argument, right? When Jesus says to them, you say that it's a sin to commit adultery with a woman. I tell you, if you've even looked at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. Do you think the point was to shame us, him to say the standard's impossible on your own? You've already broken it. There's no, even after your salvation, so it's a process of becoming holy, the process of sanctification, you're going to continue to fall short, even if it's just in your heart condition. We'll get to that. Anyway, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Listen, I just told you you're reborn. This is important. The new creation, this is, I mean, that's pretty shocking. Have all of you done the will of your Father who is in heaven last week, every single moment? Some of you are like, yes, get out, you fibber. No. If so, I want to hear you tell me how. Even today you might not have. I haven't. But that's not the, there's a point here. One, in order to, there's a, we don't understand that compared to the world, there's a willingness and a desire to do the will of the Father. So if I take you, even in your faults, you've accepted Christ, you're in this room, and you said, man, I've stumbled and I've fallen. Even the fact that you can acknowledge that I have fallen short of the glory of God is an indicator that you are different. You understand what I'm saying? That implies a desire to do the will of your Father. So that's number one. There is something inside of you that has changed that recognizes, oh, i got to be better. The world doesn't say that. Do you know that? The world doesn't worry about that. The new creation desires to obey God. So in coming to the kingdom, you're reborn. You trust him by putting childlike faith that that happens. And now, oh, one other thing. You have to always do exactly. You've got to fulfill it. You've got to constantly be, be good enough. Oof. The creation desires to obey God. If there's no change, there's no kingdom. Okay? No change, no kingdom. But even in your desire, that still doesn't quite meet so if I see you like, I want to do, and sometimes I do well, okay? But the one who does the will of my Father isn't who is in heaven. The new creation desires to obey God. No change, no kingdom. You have to follow God. Someone who is a new creation will want to follow God. They will desire to And yet, even in their desire, they're going to fall short, which means 
How is it that I'm going to be treated as though I always do the will of my Father, even though in my best efforts I fall short and don't do the will of my Father? It's almost like I need someone else to make up for the rest that I can't do on my own. This is Jesus. Does this make sense? Am I losing you? Give me something. Yes, no? If I say to you, I'll think maybe this is an example. Okay, here's a cup. And I'm like, hey, in order to come in here, you have to give me a full cup of water. Eight ounces. And you pour in your four. Right? A lot of the world says, I'm not pouring anything in this. Let me get out of my way. I'm coming in. At least you come up and say, here's my four. And, you say, and you're going, but you have a confidence in your father that this has got to be good enough. And Jesus just pours the rest in from his cup. But this is important. The one who, you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to do the will of your Father who's in heaven. P.S., also the will of your Father who's in heaven, first and foremost, is to respond, repent, and believe in the gospel. Number four, Matthew 5.20. For I tell you, this one's also, again, we lose some context. Say with me. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I need a volunteer. Someone I haven't picked in a long time. Okay, let's go with, wow, no one wants you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Like, uh, Emma, I'm going to go with you. You're Emma, who is, just yell, who, and be serious. Okay, I know you don't try to guess where I'm going, Emma. You'll ruin it. Who's the, who's the most godly person you've ever met? Could even be someone that's not real. Or, I mean, like, that you don't personally know. They've got to be real. Otherwise, that would be ridiculous. That you personally know. That you know, this person's better than me. Your choir director. Okay. Your choir director is a more godly woman than you, in your mind. Or is it kind of, or yeah, like it's clear. Yeah, in your mind. Well, this is what it is. So you show up to the gates of the kingdom, and Emma, I say, great. You can come in when you're holier than your choir director. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to sit down and go, I'm in trouble. And the only reason I say that, and that's just a choir director, to the Jewish people, this would have been shocking. The holiest people to the world as they walked around town were the scribes and the Pharisees, were the elite, the religious, the pastors, (laughs) whoever it is you think, these are the people that outwardly were the holiest people. They, you know, I've said this before, because I'm a, I act like a Pharisee hunter, which in turn makes me one, I... I often forget that, honestly, the Pharisees were good people by the world's standards. Do you hear me? They were good people. They did the right thing. They paid their taxes. They didn't break the speed limit. They went to the PTO meetings. They attended church every month, gave their 10% exactly on the dot. They did the right thing. They even led ministries probably. You get what I'm saying? They did all the right things. They were good people. And to everyone else, they would have been like, that's, man, if I could just be like that, I would be a really holy, good person. And that's why when Jesus said this, it's shocking when he says, no, 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 unless your righteousness, your holiness is more than them, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Imagine you being a murderer and an adulteress, the sins that are like, you, you should die. It's too late. It's over. You can never become that holy. Are you with me? And yet that's the standard. Unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never the kingdom of heaven. That's what? That's impossible. It is impossible for me to ever again be a person who hasn't committed the sins that I've committed. 
okay? The times that I have hated someone. If there was someone out there in this world that's never hated someone, I can never be like that again. It's already happened. I've already hated them. I can never be like that. It's over. It's impossible. I am hopeless. And if someone said, Todd, the only way you can get into the kingdom is if you have never hated someone, I'm not getting in. Todd, if you've ne- unless you've never lusted after a woman, you can never get in. Unless you paid attention when God spoke, unless you obeyed every command, you cannot get in. That is hopeless. It is impossible. Remember what I said earlier. It's going to take what? Okay, but yet I trust you, God, that there has to be a way that I can still get in because you've brought me to the gates and you've told me this is a standard. What do I do? I will put my faith like a child in my father. The standard to enter the kingdom is righteousness and perfect holiness. The scribes and Pharisees were the best the Jewish people would know. I need you to understand your best is not good enough. It's not. And that's freeing. See, some of you get stuck on that. I hate Christianity. Those hypocrites. You're right. I'm a hypocrite. I am one. Jesus isn't. And it doesn't make the fact that I'm flawed because this isn't toddianity, right? That's a terrible religion. I am going to be the worst God you've ever had. It's Christianity. Christ. The standard is perfection, which is what? It's impossible. Man, I just want to throw a podium. How am I the only one that hears this? Listen, it's impossible. Sometimes, and this is important, so you already know where I'm going. Christians in the room who've repented. I need you to remember this, though, because I'm about to talk to you specifically. You think, oh, he's talking to the non-Christians. No, I'm not. We put our faith in Jesus. You've been a Christian a long time. You understand that at the transaction, at the cross, he takes your sin, he gives you his holiness, and you're like, right on. Here's the thing. Remember what I said earlier. Now put it together. No one will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Well, once someone says, I just follow Jesus but doesn't change, never wants to. Okay, now that I'm in the kingdom, my holiness and righteousness doesn't matter. Sometimes we, and you in this room, thinks the standard to get into the kingdom, the requirement to be a citizen changes just because you're a kingdom citizen. This is strange. Stay with me. You think that because you're in, that your holiness and righteousness no longer matters. Paul talks about this. Shall we sin all the more? Of course not. Why would I act like someone from the domain of darkness when I'm in the kingdom of God? That's what Paul's saying. Why will I act like a slave when I'm a co-heir with Christ? This is important. Some of you have stopped even caring about the standard because you think instead of viewing the kingdom as what it is, life-changing, life-altering, life-giving, you have viewed it as a get-out-of-sin-free card. Which means, right, I'll just pull another one next turn around. Next Sunday. No. You know, they've been, this is awkward to say, but they put quotes up. They put quotes up for me on Mondays, okay? I don't, I don't, they do that, Whatever. It's cool from sermons. But one of the quotes is true, and, it's, and I feel like it's one that people, people won't get. You know, we think the standard changes once we're in the kingdom. Don't mistake, I'm going to say it again now, do not mistake God's grace and his mercy and his love for his approval of your actions. Does that make sense? You think because you're saved he doesn't hate your sin? He doesn't hate you, but he sure as heck hates your sin. That doesn't change. The standard is righteousness and perfect holiness. 
you are not freed from the pursuit of holiness. You are free to pursue holiness. That's a big deal. Does that make sense? Did I lose you? You are not freed from the pursuit of holiness and holy living. You are free to pursue it without the worry of what's going to happen the moment you stumble and fail. So I have a list for you because I know you love them. Sometimes it's so hard to come up with the topic and the names of them. Like this is the best I could come up with. But you want entrance to the kingdom. Okay, let's put all these together. And there's more, but these, these are important. You show up at the door right now. You're, ah, what is the kingdom of God? Jesus said there's requirements to walk through the gates. I will take you there. And as he takes us in his power and brings us here, there is something there. It's not necessarily we have to pay him something, but we have to accept what he's going to do from here to here. You understand what I'm saying? He grabs you. We talked about that. He rescues us from the domain of darkness, and he transfers us to the kingdom of God. But in, the, in between, something's got to happen. And there's a trust and an acceptance of what he does as he strips away the sin and he pulls away the old us and he helps us to kill the parts of us that don't belong in the kingdom and we choose to be taught and learn how to live in the kingdom and then we are placed there. There is a change. So, number one, entering the kingdom, they jumped ahead, will change you. It will change you. I'm going to say it again. You have to accept that. Do not mistake him grabbing you in the midst of your sin for him leaving you there. He doesn't just go, nice, muck, drop you. You will have to change. There is change. If you're in this room and you say, I'm a believer, but honestly, if I put you in a room full of people that weren't Christians and I followed you for a week, maybe a day, and I don't see a single thing different, I'm going to be concerned for you. And it's not about earning it. It's about you should be a different creature. And I'm saying this genuinely because I love you. The scariest people to preach to are the long-term Christians that think they're safe because they know the rules of the game and they can play it well. No change, no kingdom. The proof's in the pudding. Apple trees grow apples. Kingdom citizens, kingdom folk look different. It might be the smallest one, but there should be a change from the old you to the new. Number two, my way will never again matter. I'm going to say it again. My way will never again matter. I love the cold, hard truth. I do it because it forces you to understand. Listen, your way, I'm so irritated. Again, not with the world because it makes sense. I say my way. Your, I can't stand when... We, we've created this culture where somehow what you think the Bible says matters. It don't matter what you think it says. It only matters what God's saying. I'm going to say it again. It only matters what God's saying, period. It doesn't matter what Granny Joe taught you or Billy Bob or whoever else, and it worked for their family. There is the truth and there isn't. My way doesn't matter. Well, that's how you practice your faith. Don't judge me. <laughs> anyway, my way, my way will never matter again. I have to die to my way. I have to. I don't get to make the rules. I don't get to change the laws. That doesn't mean it's comfortable. I don't even have to like it. But that's the facts. Number three, entrance to the kingdom will mean complete trust like a child in our king, God. In our Father. 
entrance to the kingdom is going to take an acceptance that you don't have to understand all this. I love, you know, listen, you know why teens, I like teens. I used to work with teens more than anything. You know why I like you guys? Because at least you're honest about what you really think, right? It's not good, but like a lot of you are just old teens, okay? They'll just tell you, um, well, I don't, that, that's stupid. I don't, that don't make no sense. Well, God should answer me. Well, tell me how I, how, why was there an apple in that garden, <laughs> right? Why are you going to put that tree in there? I wouldn't put it in there. God's an idiot, right? They just are honest. You, and then over time they learn, well, I shouldn't say that. I'll just keep it in my heart. But the truth is it doesn't change the reality. It's going to take complete trust in our Father. That The things that don't make sense, we continue to walk. Do you think I like or understand ever, ever, every, can't talk, singular part of Scripture? Of course I don't. There are parts that people, there are certain questions people ask me, and I'm like, I'm not entirely sure from this section, but when I look at the entirety of Scripture, I have my answer. And by the way, I have an answer regardless, and I've said this forever. It finally, and I am a questioner. I was going to be a lawyer. I did that for you Yankees, even though it should be a lawyer. Anyway, lawyer. I was going to be a lawyer, so I'm an arguer. I like to know, and this is a true answer. My most logical answer sometimes comes back to this. I don't know, but I know that God is good and God is just. And if he is good and he is just, then whatever the answer is, is the best answer. That he had a purpose. Entrance to the kingdom means complete trust in our king. Things that don't make sense. God, I'm unhappy. I know. This is ugly. I know. This is hard. I know. Keep following me. Number four, it takes perfection and complete holiness. I'm going to say it again. Takes perfection, complete holiness. That's why your good acts are like filthy rags. That's why I struggle with them Pharisees, man. You know, I know, Lord, I know. I'm talking to him because he knows my heart. He's saying, Todd, don't, don't say too much craziness here. But I mean, I can't stand that, man. Because what they do is it's not even about their relationship with God. They just want to point out that they're good because they're better than me. And that doesn't even bother me because, honestly, I don't have a great view of myself. I am pretty crappy. So I'm like, well, that's true. But when they start saying it about you guys, I get real angry. It makes me very, very angry. Because the reality is, <laughs> and then they start making you believe that, right? Choir director. Imagine your choir director saying, unless you're exactly like me all the time. Because I am perfection. I didn't know this was choir director entity. I didn't say her name, I don't know her. It takes perfection, complete holiness, which means what? That's impossible, which leads us to the gospel. You know, that's the, the reason Jesus said those things, guys. The reason that he says that if you've hated your brother, you've committed murder. What he's saying is, I'll use the adultery one. I, I say this all the time. You want to know men why pornography, like I don't get it. Because I've said this many times, or women. Pornography shows a heart for adultery. This isn't to shame you. I'll get back. To, because in reality, is the only thing that's stopping you is opportunity. What that's saying is if somehow you can make that guy, girl, appear in your room in the middle of the night and nobody would know, nobody but you and him or her, you would do it. Tell me I'm wrong. That's what it is, bottom line. And that's why it matters to God because he sees the heart, right? And I say that with no shame because the beauty is, is that in our falling short, he holds on to us, right? We've already been transferred. It takes perfection and complete holiness. It's kind of cool. Jesus says the standard, hey, the standard is perfection. Just to show us and remind us that you need him. 
He has to get us to understand the hopelessness and the impossibility of our own strength and our own situation in order to get us to, with childlike faith, to accept the crazy story that he tells us, which is this. I am God, and I made you, and you ignored me, and you disobeyed me, and you chose darkness over my light. And you have been living in darkness from the moment you were born. And your people and your father's father have lived in darkness for generations and generations. Until a point that you didn't even remember what good was and where the light was. And so you began to create your own gray light and your own little versions to try to find some hope that life was life and not the death that you know it is. You betrayed me and you spit upon me and you you hated me. And yet I came for you. God, I, Jesus, I, and the Son of God, I am God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's actually joy. Let me flip it. I have a way home, a way out of the fire. It has to be my way. I'm going to tell you what the kingdom's like. And that's impossible, isn't it? And then he says, no, it's okay, because that would be so cruel. Jesus of Nazareth existed, told us how to live in the kingdom. And he said, listen, I will not just, man, I, if you were me, I'd be going, man, that place sounds awesome. I wish I could go. I know I can't because I'm not, I'm not perfect, but man, it sounds like a beautiful place. And he says, do you, want me to, do you want me to take you there? Do you want me to make it so you can go? Who would say no to that? And he just says, it, 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 it's going to hurt a little. But I'm going to do the hard part. And so Jesus died on the cross to make the impossible possible. To take the sin and the darkness and the imperfection and the unrighteousness and the unholiness and in that moment, man, what an incredible thing because again, I say it all the time, this is where a lot of Christians will want to leave you and that's why it makes me so mad. Ah, it makes me mad because it just takes away the fullness of the gospel. They'll say, yep, you accept him and they'll tell you, come as you are but once you're there, if you make one mistake, you're dead. Because they're forgetting the second half of the transaction that makes no sense. Jesus says to us, give me your brokenness, your sin, your evil. Turn away from your life. Hand over the trappings of your old life. I will take it upon myself, including your punishment. And in return, I will give you my perfection, my holiness, the life that I lived, so that the Father will only see good when he looks at you forever. That's it. How do I do it, God? Repent. And believe. And now we're back to the beginning. You see, all of that sets up. How do we do the first one? Well, it takes a child like faith to believe that's, that's it. I just have to repent and believe. How many times have I heard that? So you're saying a guy could just wait till his deathbed and say it? Have you heard that argument? I have. And I say, absolutely I am. That even in that moment, he can come down and grab that man, that woman, from the domain of darkness and transfer them into the kingdom of God. She's going to come play some music briefly because I went long again. Man, I get excited about the kingdom. I know. I gotta, if I tell you guys I'll do a 20-minute one, will you bring all your friends next week? No? Yeah. Why didn't you already? Tricked you. Here we go. <clears throat> Listen, we all respond to Jesus in some way in the kingdom. I already told you that. I'm going to say it again. In this room, you've already responded. So unless you know you repented and believed, unless your life looks different, then you're not in the kingdom, which means you're in darkness, which means you should be scared. We all respond in some way to Jesus in the kingdom. We all repent and believe, right? I mean, we either repent and believe, we ignore it, we attack it, or we play make-believe. 
but only one of the responses leads to life. And yet we all respond in some way. I'm going to ask you this, friends, and I mean this genuinely. Whether you've been a Christian your whole life, you're not, or whatever else, which one are you? Which response have you given to Jesus Christ? And before you make excuses for yourself and justify and say, how dare you judge me, I'm not judging you. The king is judging you. And I'm going to say this again. It doesn't matter what you think or believe. How have you responded to Jesus Christ? Because I'm going to say it again. There is only one option that leads to life. But which are you? Have you repented and believed? Is there a change? Do you attempt to form your life around the word of God? Or do you try to pick and choose and form the word of God around you? Do you attack it? You attack it all the time to say, how dare you judge me? This doesn't make sense. You pick and choose. Do you attack it? Do you ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist and go on to your day-to-day, monotonous, boring, gray life? Finding some joy or peace at the bottom of a bottle or in the body of someone else? Or do you play make-believe? Oh, praise God. Get out of a sin-free card. There's no change. You just think you get to come take a shower every six days. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Sometimes I wish I could go to individuals in this room today. I would. There are some of you I'd come and sit in front of you and say, listen, I'm talking to you. I know you've been hurt. I know you're mad. I know deep down under your anger and your pride is this this feeling that you just, I know I'm not good enough and it makes you mad because your whole life you've had to fight against people telling you that you're garbage and you're not good enough and all that. And so now you've kind of turned it to this hard pride that says, I'll prove it. I don't need you. But the truth is you do need someone and you know it. Not the right. You know, you've heard this before. In a fire, it's not the flames that kill you most of the time. It's the smoke, right? You heard that? And some of you are saying, well, because I'm not burning, I'm good. No. There's a lot of smoke in the room. And you might, you might die while trying to wait out the flames. We all respond. The rules don't change. And to those that are in the kingdom, you know you're a believer. The rules haven't changed because you've entered the kingdom. And if you've been living like they do, you need to repent again. Someone said to me, do I have to repent every time I sin? No. You need to repent when the Holy Spirit tells you to. Not for your salvation, but as your obedience to God to say, I'm done. I'm sorry. I see it now. There's not halfway. The rules don't change because we've entered the kingdom. So my friends, my brothers, my sisters, I mean this genuinely. How have you responded? How have you responded in your life? How have you responded this week? And how will you respond right now? Tomorrow is not promised. And remember I told you that everyone will respond. There's, but someday there will be only one response, and that will be to fall to a knee and say, Lord, Lord, it says that. When, when the king comes back to fully restore his kingdom, he, you will bow down. And you will acknowledge him as king. Just like when you flinch, if you were in front of a lion and it roars, you will fall. Do you want to do it now so you can become a child of God, a member of the kingdom? Or do you want to wait and fall down in front of him, groveling as an enemy?
It'll be too late. Listen, the gospel, I already told you earlier, I'm not going to tell you again. Remember that whole part? Cross and all that? Here's the beauty of it. It sounds impossible. It is. And this is the greatest thing in the world. That's why some pastors hate me because I'm about to tell you. Because I'm not supposed to say that, by the way. There's, their pastors are untouchable. But it's a reality. They don't like it because it takes away some of the power. You don't need me to go to the kingdom. That right now today, before you get cleaned up, before you stop your addiction, before you become a good person, you can do it today. You can be transferred to the kingdom, but it takes an acknowledgement. The Bible says it very plainly. Jesus says to you today, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead. You'll be saved. You know what that is really? Isn't that funny? It is repenting and believing. My way is not the right way. I believe in you, God. There's going to be people up here willing to pray with you, whether you're a believer who's just been kind of living like you're not, right? You think the rules change and you need to repent today or whether you're someone who isn't. Take this time and respond, particularly if you are not of the kingdom and you know it. If I put a gun to your head and say, you're going to heaven right now? Five, four, three, two, one. If you can't say yes, why in the world, you lunatic, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say that, but why would you ever leave this room without being certain of it? There's people willing to pray for you. If you have too much pride to, watch, to walk four feet to, I don't know, 50 feet, I don't even know, I'm not good with feet. Anyway, four feet to 25 feet to the front to pray, phew, you're not, you don't really want in the kingdom. Because I sure as heck know if there was a fire back there, right, Gina, everybody's scrambling to the front. There's a fire today. How will you respond? Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.